join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. So many layers this morning to work through to find my microphone button. <laughs> Fall always reminds me of the um, part of Elizabeth Barrett Browning's poem, Aurora Lee, where she says, Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only the one who sees takes off his shoes the rest sit around and pluck blackberries. And I shared this as the closing blessing at council on Tuesday, and I gave them the charge to be people who take off their shoes, and not just people who sit around and eat blackberries. And then, being very good independent thinking congregationalists, a few of them quickly asked if they could eat blackberries if they did it while appreciating the glory of God. <laughs> and it did make me laugh, and it was also a question that I think the authors of Leviticus would have appreciated. The author of Leviticus, perhaps authors, were very concerned that people notice God's work in the world. And they were also concerned that people responded appropriately. Their perspective was that if God was holy and God is everywhere, then we could and should also strive to be holy. And so they tried to create a system to help people live holy lives. And we're going to take a look at just a piece of that this morning. I am reading first from Leviticus 19, verses 1 through 4 and then 9 through 11. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall revere your mother and your father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make cast images for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them there for the poor 
and the resident alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, and you shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by my name, because I, God, am the Lord. Leviticus is not always riveting reading. I have heard folks say that Leviticus is their go-to cure for insomnia, and you can see why, because that snippet that we read is what the whole book is like. And for the most part, this morning what we heard was a list of commands that were pretty similar to what we know as the Ten Commandments. Don't steal, don't murder, don't swear falsely by God's name. These are all things that we've heard before. And then right in the middle of that fairly familiar list, we had an interesting bit about farming practices. Did you hear that part? When you reap or pick the harvest, don't pick everything from the fields. And not only that, but when you drop something, don't go back and pick it all up. Leave the edges of your fields unpicked and leave the things that you drop on the ground there so that the people who need them can have them. It's an unusual little tidbit in there, and it's perhaps especially unusual for those of us whom farming practices on this scale are no longer common. Very few of us grow crops in fields that stretch as far as the eye can see. And I don't think anybody here in our congregation has a vineyard. But just as we bring our own personalities and our passions to how we see God in the world, the spirit of this rule might inspire us to bring our own personalities and passions to how we respond, which looks different for many of us, but the center of the response is a call that is echoed all throughout the Bible. It is the call to be a good neighbor. Leaving the portion of your field unpicked so that others can come and eat for free is not good business. Not only do you pick less food for yourself and your family, but you might also miss out on the opportunity to sell that same food to desperate people, people who are very hungry, which is when basic economic theory would tell us that we could charge more. That's supply and demand. The practice of leaving food in the field unpicked is a double whammy in terms of finances. It is also a loss in terms of some kind of moral superiority. There might be a nuance here to leaving the food at the edge of the field unpicked because it lets people come and go and take what they need without having to ask or account for it. There's no application process here. There's no requirement that they prove that they need the food. And there's no chance for the landowner to account for it, for better and for worse. 
it is probably also not going to ensure that everyone gets enough. There's no organization to this kind of system. There's no central food bank or resource center where people can go and say, this is what I need, what help is available. This kind of instruction is also perhaps a very inefficient way to accomplish charitable giving. The only way that this framework really makes sense is if it's less about being efficient and more about staying centered on who God is. When we are in our most awe-inspired place, the place where we look out at the trees and their colors and we just marvel at the world. We recognize a truth that the author of Leviticus was trying to codify for us. The world belongs to God in all the best ways possible. And if the world belongs to God, then we can imagine and practice a new way of living in it. It's a bit like what Wamaka Agbo calls restorative economics. In restorative economics, relationship takes center stage. Agbo calls it we economics. And she says it's a framework for moving from extraction to regeneration and from accumulation to shared prosperity. In this kind of economic framework, which others are beginning to play with as well, it makes complete sense not to take everything you can from the earth or from the people around you, because the focus is on what is good for everyone, not on how much can I have. And I know it's hard to see what that really might look like on a global scale. But sometimes we're not asked to jump ahead into developing efficient systems and sorting out all the possibilities and problems. We're asked to pause and remember who and whose we are. One of the things that you might have noticed in the passage we read is how often God tells Moses to tell the people, I am the Lord your God. And because it's Leviticus and because we're already fumbling through more rules than we know what to do with, we can hear this in kind of a judgy way. There might be a little edge to it or a threat, like do all these things because God is watching but if we can hold the rules, the guidelines, at the same time that we marvel at the beauty of the world, we might also hear in those words a promise. It is hard to reimagine life as we know it, hard to always be asked to do a new thing, to love our neighbor, to put others first. But it is an idea that we return to time and again because we can't let go of the possibility that it just might work. If God is God, then whatever other rules we're living by could be tossed out the window. Or if not tossed out the window, then at least 
looked at occasionally to see if they're in line with the world we want to see and the God that we believe in. I was thinking about all that this morning and I couldn't let go of the fact that we are starting stewardship season here at UCC Longmont, which serves the very practical goal of helping the church create a budget for next year. But with Leviticus on my heart, I am reminded that there is a spiritual component to this as well, and one that, for me, I've come to deeply love. This time of year reminds me to re-examine my relationship with money. And that means that at home, my husband and I will talk about what it is that we want to give to. What are all the charities, the places where we want to share? And there are years where things are tight and it feels hard not to pick all the way to the end of the field. And in those years, it's hard to imagine setting something aside. And then there are the other years where it's easier. And maybe we get to think about whether we could set aside more, pick less of that field. But whatever the year looks like financially, the part that I always find meaningful is that chance just even for briefly with the budget to think about reshaping our lives. It's the chance to ask, are we living in line with what we say we believe? And when we ask that question throughout the year in whatever way we ask that question, I think that we find that our lives start to take on a different shape, that it starts to feel a little easier to reimagine in all the ways that God invites us to reimagine. And so in the ways that you are thinking already, the ways that you might be thinking in the upcoming months about what your life could look like, I hope the question that you take with you is, am I living in response to the glory that I am seeing? Take off your shoes and enjoy the holy ground. May your reflection continue in music and throughout your